0: 104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk.
1: That's right. It is time to talk a little sports with our radio roused about Ned Reynolds. I'm Joe Weston, joined by B-team member John Oliver. Ned, how are you on this, well, unexpected Monday to be together for football? Who would
0: have ever thought we'd be on at 4 o'clock on a Monday afternoon with the pregame show coming up? And if that had been mentioned last Thursday, he would have said, what are you talking about? But as of last Friday, actually last Saturday, it became a reality.
1: Yeah, it's it's some craziness. John uh, bailed from work a little bit early, like me, to get here so that we could uh, chat about sports. How are you, John?
2: I'm doing well. We live in uh, we always live in unpredictable times, but they're even a little bit more unpredictable lately.
1: <laughs> That's right. Flexibility, always the key to the schedule. Let's start out the show by not talking football. Let's talk a little bit about baseball, because we lost to Cardinals legend this week, and... Um, John's a little bit younger than me, so he probably doesn't remember much of Bob Gibson. I remember the tail end of his career, but, Ned, you covered him quite a bit. And, and Which I, is
0: to say, and Joe Weston being diplomatic, you're the <laughs> oldest one here by a long shot.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't want to say that, but, yeah, you do, you covered his career. So, I mean, you obviously, have, of all the people in the room, you know more about sure. him. But, I mean, that was that was he was in the age of the great pitchers, and uh, his name is mentioned with Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale, Denny McLean, Jim Palmer, and he was probably the most competitive, fiery pitcher that there was in baseball. And
0: quite frankly, Joe, I think the most dominant after Sandy Koufax uh, hung it up in 1966. Actually, in all honesty, his career began when I was a senior in high school in 1959 but he didn't really achieve greatness or notoriety as such until 1967 when the Cardinals got into the World Series and blew away, well, I say blew away, beat the Boston Red Sox 4-3. to three. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, Gibby was at his prime then, and yes, I was at KY3. They were my first years here. This is 54 years ago. I've had, when he passed away on Friday night, I got to thinking, how many times, Reynolds, did you interview the man? And it was four And the last time, I'll not forget it, the last time was right here in Springfield at opening night for the Springfield Cardinals when Matt Gifford brought him down to throw out the first ball. And when he threw it out, he threw out the first (laughs) ball. It was a legitimate pitch. Uh, And Gibby, of course, came up into the TV booth and we interviewed him. I had had interviewed him in the past, and he was always cordial. I won't say warm and fuzzy, but but cordial and answered the questions. And this particular night, it's a cold April night that he came up there. I thought, well, what what kind of a Bob Gibson am I going to get? Great, great guy. Great. Answered all the questions, even the ones about how fiery he was on the mound. (laughs) And he said, you know, he said, I really got a bad rap. I wasn't that. And he's right. He was competitive. He didn't want anybody getting the edge. Well, I said earlier, the most dominant pitcher after Sandy Koufax had hung it up in 1966. Yes, uh, um, he had how many? Maybe four or five straight years of twenty games or more. But 1968 is one that stands out in my mind. ERA of 1.12 for the year.
1: Yeah, microscopic, incredible. Twenty-two
0: and nine on the year. It was his record. He lost nine games. (laughs) That's very (laughs) misleading. He also completed twenty-eight. Now, get this, 28 complete games in one season, when if a pitcher throws one in today's era, you're making the headline. He threw a complete game. My God, it's great. Well, he threw 28 of them that year. Uh, I think it's 56, if I'm not mistaken, for his career. But over and above that, he made a statement at an interview maybe two or three years ago that nobody realized this, but he was tied up in knots when he pitched. His stomach was always churning. Why? (laughs) Had per- plenty of confidence in himself, but he didn't have any confidence in the rest of the team. <laughs> they they didn't back him up. His games were two to one, three to two, one to nothing, two to nothing. They were all low scoring games, and he was able to master the opposition. Batters probably didn't like him because he <laughs> you could not dig in against the guy. You were going down. Otherwise, he was just so competitive, and so good. That period of time when he was in his prime. Now, when, he, when his prime was over in the, uh, in the mid-'70s, you don't give up a Grand Slam home run to Pete LeCocq on your <laughs> last pitch and not know that this is the end of your That's career. That's right. <laughs> yeah, But he, he was a great, great pitcher.
1: One of the things I wanted to say about Bob Gibson, I think one of the hallmarks of greatness in sports is if you change the game somehow, uh, Babe Ruth obviously changed baseball the way that it was played. And uh, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, Denny mclean all those guys that I mentioned, they changed the game because the mound was lowered because of Correct. their dominance in baseball. You're, yes. you're right
0: about it being the collective group, but it was Gibby who actually, I think, was singularly speaking the one who had yeah. the, most, uh, the most reason to do that because of striking out so many. Lowered it from 15 inches to down to 10 inches, and it did make a difference. For a time, but I do think pitchers have adjusted to it now. I think they yeah. have as well.
1: John, your thoughts on uh, Mr. Gibson?
2: Um, as a Cardinals fan, it it definitely hurts, and I think the main reason it hurts, and I think a lot of other folks, my age, your age, Joe, and of course, you know, Ned,
1: <laughs> Ned your age, Ned's every, elderly age,
2: anyone that's been watching baseball for you know a few decades. As a Cardinal fan, one of the things you look forward to most is Opening Day at Bush Stadium. The Clydesdales, the Red Jackets. It's really hard to picture an Opening Day without Lou Brock and Bob Gibson coming out.
1: Stan usual and all those and, guys. And who that's away the, thing. the last few years. Ago. Yeah,
2: I mean, you look at kind of the Mount Rushmore of vintage Cardinals, if you will. Mutual past, Red Shandings past, and then Gibson and Brock were kind of the other two on that list. So, you know, of course, they're still great players, but with the deep-rooted history of the Cardinals, it's really a big loss for, you know, those two to go within three weeks of one another. And they were fantastic individuals.
1: Ask you both this question really quickly and get your, I know your answers, but I want to hear you say it on the radio. Uh, Fernando Tatis, does he do a bat flip against Bob Gibson?
0: heavens no, he's not even standing if he did that against Bob Gibson. His next time up, in fact, he may not have even made it around the bases. (laughs) And now, of course, he would have done that. Gibby would not have come off the hill. But uh, the next time Tatis came up or the time after that, Gibson didn't want to make things too obvious, but he would get it stuck in his ear if that happened.
2: And I'd be disappointed in the first series that St. Louis has with San Diego next year if he doesn't find something up close to the ear flap. It was... A very excessive celebration, very show-up. And as I mentioned before, we went on the air to both of you. When I'm complimenting Manny Machado on his maturity, <laughs> when in comparison with another player, something's amiss.
1: All right, let's uh, get into talking about football. First of all, we want to find out who's hot in the NFL by All-Service Air Service. They're our sponsor for that. Ned, tell me, who would you think out of last week's or even Sunday's action, who you thought is the hot player in the NFL right well, now, or the uh, team.
0: To, I'm going to single out two teams that really impressed the daylights out of me. I knew the Cleveland Browns were 2-1 and one going into Dallas, but I didn't give them any chance at all. Who would? You're going in. Here are the Browns who have been suffering for decades, not just years, decades. And uh, Baker Mayfield is supposed to be the savior of the team, and Odell Beckham Jr., and all these people. Last year, you might remember, last year they were a trendy pick by the... the media stalwarts uh, to be a competitive team, and they weren't. They were just, well, what happened, I think, was they were a year ahead of time. They had not matured. They Mm -hmm. hadn't developed into a cohesive unit. They have now. That game against the Dallas Cowboys yesterday was sensational. Odell Beckham Jr. running back the the wide receiver reverse in the clutch for a touchdown that put the game away for them. The Browns are the real deal, and I thought Mayfield – Uh, operating his team against a Dallas Cowboys team that may not be as good as everybody thought they were and uh, really shredding them in so many respects was very impressive. And the same goes for the Buffalo bills. I was very impressed with their game against the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, The bills have a nice team and the chiefs have to play them Thursday a week, not this coming Thursday, obviously, but Thursday a week. And, uh, that's going to be a competitive game in Buffalo. And I'm not sure that the Buffalo Bills don't have all the component parts to give the Chiefs a very, very, very tough time.
1: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. We're about 45 minutes away from the pregame show with Artie Hange and Mitch Holtis. Let's talk about last week's game for just a minute. I uh, asked both of you as you entered the room today, were you surprised because this was the the Super Bowl matchup? Did you, I, I was totally surprised by what, the Chiefs did to the Ravens.
2: I was shocked. I'll, I'll be honest. You know, I really thought it would be a lower scoring game. That was my prediction last week. And it kind of held true for most of the first quarter. And then the gates opened. And, you know, Joe, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air. That was not a close game. Nope. The score is very deceptive. in the fact that we have the kickoff return in there, there, it, that game was not competitive. Whatsoever. Yeah,
1: I, w- I was going to bring that up to Ned. I, I John and I were talking. I really felt like the score of that game was something like 38 to 10 because the Chiefs gave them a touchdown with that doing got a little cute and did the <laughs> pooch kick and they returned it for a touchdown and then the, the guy that we were praising all of last week Harrison <laughs> Biker he took four points off the board. So, yeah. 38 to 10. It was like boys playing against men.
0: You know what I think disappointed me more than anything else about how the Ravens played was the fact that they were not aggressive. They were reactive. Yes. Watching the game right at the very start, I thought, why isn't this team, why isn't at least trying to put some pressure on Patrick Mahomes or pressure the backfield or put some oomph into what they were doing? But no, they were on their heels. They were reacting to what Kansas City did. And you're never going to beat the Chiefs if that's the way you play the game. You have to be. You have to force your attack both offensively and defensively. Offensively, I thought they tried, but Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, and the offensive line just played frightened. Yes. I don't mean that quite. They weren't shaking in their boots certainly, but they played as though, hey, we're going to get beat in this game. Kansas City's better than we are. Well, you can't go in with an attitude like that. You've got to be confident of yourself. And I didn't think Baltimore was at all. I was very disappointed. Not necessarily the Chiefs wanted in singular fashion, but the way Baltimore played, they're they're better man for man than that kind of an operation.
1: Well, Absolutely. the Chiefs Chiefs offensive line looked really good last week. It, they protected Patrick Mahomes. He took again. I think what sets him apart from other players or other quarterbacks in the NFL is if what the defense gives him, he takes. Oh,
2: absolutely. And when lanes
1: opened up, he ran for first downs. With passing, there was a couple of times that they Ravens just got flat out beaten the secretary right. badly. <laughs> badly, badly. A couple of touchdown passes and up and out. I think it was to, um, don't remember who it was to, but they Chiefs ran in an up and out and, and bang. There, there Tyree was, Hill. No, yeah, I that don't was know. The it was, was it Tyree Hill? Was it Tyreek Hill? Mm-hmm. It just there was nobody in the neighborhood. Nope. It was like he was called long distance to get to the cornerback that, that was there. So it was an amazing game. I thought the Chiefs – it was a statement game for the Chiefs.
0: And another factor is the coaching. Andy Reid out-coached Harbaugh oh like big time. Harbaugh didn't even yeah. belong there. He belonged back in <laughs> AAA <laughs> <Right>. football. <so>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. We're about uh, 43 minutes away from the start of the pregame. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports show, right here on 104.7 The Cave.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. No, no, you can A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. <laughs>
1: we had a live microphone there. What were you lamenting, Ned?
0: I was just a, you know... Uh, Trying to come up with some kind of a cognitive thought about whatever it was we were talking about. (laughs) See, you're thrown off too. (laughs) Halftime didn't help
1: us at all. I'm sitting here wondering why Andy Summers is staring at me because uh, Mike has left his police album here. That's our uh, morning spin. (laughs) But anyway, we're talking about football. That's what we're doing. We're go. trying to put together cognitive thoughts. We thought we were going to do this show yesterday, but here we are. We're Since doing I it today. About your
0: concentration level has all been disturbed. Exactly. <laughs>
1: I know it has been. It's just down the hill. All right, John, tell us about the fantasy picks. That's brought to us by Fazolies. A couple of fantasy picks for this week. I always try to throw a couple out
2: there. And again, you know, if these guys are available or if you have the chance to trade for them, I think this will help you out. First one, these are both going to be at the running back position. The first one should be a no-brainer at this stage. He had a rough time at Oklahoma. He obviously was dismissed from the team, but Joe Mixon has really found himself for the Cincinnati Bengals. He and Joe Burrow look like they're in lockstep. That team, I think, will be greatly improved by midseason. I see flashes of brilliance, which I haven't seen in Cincinnati in a long time, unfortunately. The other pick I have is due to an injury that occurred during the Cowboys and Cleveland Browns game. Nick Chubb, their starting running back, is going to be out for multiple weeks, they expect. A name from the past, and again, neither one of these guys are going to win popularity contests, but Kareem Hunt is the backup in Cleveland. He has performed admirably, and he will be their primary back moving forward. So, great pickup if you're looking for some yardage and touchdown possibilities.
1: Let's talk about tonight's game, Ned. The Patriots decimated on the offensive side. Uh, always, Belichick always has a good defensive team. And what do you expect to see from the Patriots? What do you think they're going to dial up against Patrick Mahomes tonight? I know tonight?
0: what they should do, and that's what every team needs to do, and that's put a lot of pressure on <laughs> Mahomes and the offensive attack. That's how you're going to beat this team. There are two ways to do it. Number one is pressuring him. That doesn't mean you're going to win every time, but you're going to take them out of – their offensive uh, scheme of things, and at least disturb it a little bit. And number two, keep the ball on the field in your possession. And you do that by running, running or having a dink and dunk passing attack that really did not get you very much but does run time on the off the clock. Uh, they're the, really the only two ways to do it because Kansas City is at the top of the list right now as offensive threats. There really isn't any defensive scheme you can put against them that's going to work other than A lot of pressure. So I do look for New England to probably do some blitzing. Hey, they're going into this game with a different mindset altogether. They know they're not supposed to win. Mm -hmm. They're, They're the New England Patriots, yeah, but they are absolutely compromised in virtually every respect. Your quarterback's out. Your top running back, Sonny Michel, is out. What can you do? Well, how about forget about it? Forget about All the things that we talked, forget about the scheme, just go out and play football, tackle somebody, hit them hard, and let the chips fall where they may.
1: John, I want to ask you what you think, because each week that we've seen the Chiefs in the first three weeks of the season, they've looked a little bit different each week. What do you think the Chiefs are going to dial up tonight?
2: I think the Chiefs
1: can stick to the
2: game plan a little bit. One thing I do want to bring up that I think you're finally seeing a changing of the guard that I expected would happen Sammy Watkins has been a little banged up this year. Last week, he didn't get a lot of targets. Nicole Hardiman, on the other hand, got four targets. He is speed personified. We've seen what can happen with Tyreek Hill. Hardiman is a hard worker. He's improved his hands. He played phenomenally well, 81 yards last week. I really think it's time. Watkins, of course, has been a phenomenal player for the Bills, Rams, and the Chiefs. I think it's time, though, to give the youngster a chance. And when you're looking at three targets that compose of Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Hardman, that's a tough nut to crack for the New England
1: defense. Sammy Watkins just always seems to come up big. He when absolutely You need a does. big play. He may not make any catches in the first half of the game, but then it's third and 15, and all of a sudden they're calling out Sammy Watkins' number because he's found a hole right where he should be, not as fast as some of the other guys, but really, really, really smart. Do you think you're going to see more out of the running game tonight, Ned?
0: There is there is a chance, but I think a lot of it depends on how quickly Kansas City is able to establish its lead. If they get off with a couple of long touchdown plays and maybe take a 14 17 nothing lead, maybe 21 nothing. yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them go to the running game on a consistent basis because they know they're going to win. Defense is going to hold its own against a team that really doesn't have the explosive uh, offensive weapons that they might have otherwise. So, yeah, I, I can see that happening. But, again, I think it depends on the early going in the game.
1: Uh, one of the things I learned last week from watching the game was uh, don't call Patrick Mahomes Pat Holmes. <laughs> Pat, Ma- Patrick
0: Pat Holmes. Yes. Pat Mahomes.
1: That did not set well with his mom. No. I, no. I thought that was is, really, I thought that is, was really that's funny. Papa.
0: Pat Mahomes Papa. That's, That's right. how he was known in his, I want to say, sixteen-year big league career. Yes, uh, he was. He was not Patrick. He was Pat he Mahomes. Was Pat Mahomes, and he was a, a journeyman, yes, but he was better than your ordinary journeyman. He was a good player. Yeah, good pitcher.
1: I was uh, impressed again. It's hard not to be impressed with Patrick Mahomes. Um, just doing what it takes to win games when the one of the highest blitzing teams in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens over 50% of the time they blitz mm-hmm. and he read those blitzes extremely well made quick passes when he needed to but the other thing that impressed me is when the seas parted and i, I don't know ned if you played much sandlot football <laughs> uh john and i i assume you played a lot of sandlot oh, football a ton, there was yes. a, there was a little there was a little acre of ground that's on uh I don't know the name of the street. I can't think. Terrier, I think. There you go. And there's a house on it now. It's right across from a church, but we played football there all the time. And there was nothing more frustrating than... You felt like you were getting pressure on your sandlot quarterback. You felt like all the guys were recovered, and then that guy took off down the field and got a touchdown or exactly. first down. And that Patrick Mahomes just makes it look like backyard football.
0: I think there's a reason. That, first of all, Mahomes a great athlete, oh, yeah. tremendous athlete, and he's very smart and very skilled. Been watching this commercial that they have on TV. How he throws the the uh, whatever the whatever the bag oh, is the, and he uh, throws in the whole back yes. every time. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm being facetious, of course, but I mean, that's a great athlete. Right <laughs> yeah, uh, but he, he, over over and above that, when do we get to our player of the game? Because I want to elaborate. Just We're
1: going to get to that in the next segment. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're like I said, about uh, 18 minutes away from the beginning of the pregame show. Art Haynes will be your host for that. Stick around. We've got more to talk about. It's Ned Talk. I'm four point seven. The Cave.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Wow, we're really off our game today. Just we're we're getting offside calls all over the place. We're gonna have to run extra drills before we do next week's Ned Talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh what do we got to talk about, Ned? You know what we talk about. Player of the week. It's brought to you by Mid-Missouri Bank. <laughs> We're, you know, dropping snaps all over the place. And What's we're going very on?
0: happy to have Mid-Missouri as yeah. a sponsor on yeah. the show. All our sponsors. That's why I wanted to know when this was coming up, because you were touching on the subject that I want to address. Okay. And that is the Chiefs offensive line. Now, mm-hmm. this is a bit obscure. In fact, it may even be abstract if you think about it. But my, my player of the week is going to be Austin Writer and why do i pick him because he is the center of that offensive line he is the one who kind of dictates how well that you know how the scheme is going to be forthcoming and so forth and so on well i thought their offensive line against baltimore was absolutely nothing short of outstanding they gave mahomes and the running backs all the time in the world you talked Mm -hmm. about how mahomes is able to pick out his targets well he couldn't do that unless the offensive line was playing some good football now, there were games, well, specifically the Los Angeles Chargers game, in which they didn't play well, not mm-hmm. at all. And Mahomes is under pressure and getting some big time licks. Well, it's quite obvious to me that the coaching staff and the players probably said, Enough of that. This is our meal ticket. You protect his backside. Yes. Isn't it nice how I clean up language? That too? is <laughs> nice. <of you. laughs> I'm so impressed with myself. <laughs> you, you protect this guy, make sure he is going to carry you through. And your paycheck is going to depend on it. Well, Austin Ryder is the one who is the key here, being the center, being the snapper. And he is the individual, in my opinion, who really gets a lot of credit, unsung credit, for what the Chiefs were able to do against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, can you sustain that for another 16, 17, 18, 19 games? Yeah, you can, because I think this kid is a dedicated player. He took Mm -hmm. Mitch Morse's place, and I think the Chiefs have a lot of credibility with this guy.
1: Wow, they showed some depth that we, you know, going into the season, we probably didn't think that they had, especially in the offensive line. And you know, they're let's face it they're they're missing one of their mainstays. I'm not going to try. Not gonna, and
0: Tardif, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not
1: playing right now. Uh, had a big injury last week, and like you said, Austin Ryder stepped in and uh, played a great game because yes. number number one, you didn't hear his name called. That's right. And uh, number two. Patrick Mahomes, I, I think, was upright pretty much the whole game. I think he got hit early, and that was it. Yeah. I
0: don't remember him being hit at all. Was he hit early? I think
1: there's one sack early, and uh, it wasn't much of a sack. I think it was one of those ones where it just everything collapsed in on him. He didn't have any place to go. But the offensive line played great. And I really – you know, we talked about it as we started the show that we all felt like the, the Ravens played scared, but – some of that has to go to the defense because they played a really good game. Yes. They played a very physical football game. That's the most physical I've seen the Chiefs this season.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew, I think, has a lot to do with that Tyron yes. Matthew. He played well, and he's an old head back there who is able to control his defensive backfield teammates and play them well. They did lose uh, the Sneed kid, Darius Sneed. He's out with a, a collarbone injury. That mm-hmm. That won't be good for them because right. he was playing very effective football. But over and above that, When you have an old guy, and not that Matthew is that old. Heck, he was at LSU earlier in this decade. But the fact is that he knows what to do. He has good control of the game and is a smart player.
1: John, your thoughts on everything we're talking about? One thing I wanted
2: to bring up, and that is kind of the unsung heroes of this defense. You know, we talk a lot about Matthew. We talk a lot about Chris Jones. Last week, you know, people get so focused on number of tackles, sacks interceptions some people disrupt and it's just as important Daniel Sorensen had a handful of tackles he was all over the place like he normally is he is such an underrated member of that defense and somebody I've mentioned before Juan Thornhill who still could be an argument could be made he's tentative because of his you know Achilles injury he has been exceptional this year. He's matured. He got into a lot of lanes, caused a lot of problems for Lamar Jackson and his receivers. It's those type of guys stepping up for the Chiefs that really make that difference, Joe.
1: Yeah, I I was totally impressed with the way the Chiefs play, and especially coming off a game that was very physical, maybe not in the Chiefs' favor. I mean, the Chargers game, I really felt like they manhandled the Chiefs offensive line and, and they and they looked very good on, on defense when they looked better on offense than what the Chiefs showed defensively. And I think coming into this game, I was really concerned. And we talked about backyard football and we all know that everybody had at the top <laughs> of that heap Lamar Jackson. Let me ask you guys this. I know going into the game, your opinion, but is it reinforced who the best quarterback in the NFL is?
0: No, not in my book. It's Patrick Mahomes. There's no no question about it. Now he is going to get a challenge as the season goes on from Josh Allen yes. of the Buffalo Bills. This kid is very good. Tom Brady, you know, from an accuracy standpoint, this guy's among the very best. He's a future Hall of Famer. Not as mobile as Do you these think other he'll guys.
1: go into the Hall of Fame. Really, Brady? <laughs> yeah, come on, come I think he, I think he's iffy, maybe borderline. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what's the five-year rule? Is that what it is? Yeah, five years. When he decides to finally step down, and who knows when his wife is going to let him do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh- uh, I'm being facetious, folks, because she makes more money than he does. That's true. But uh, the fact is that uh, that uh, once he retires, it'll be five years from that date, and he'll he'll certainly go in the hall. But I'm getting away from the point, though. Uh, Mahomes is at the top of the scale. He's a, He's a brilliant thinker. He knows what to do. He also knows to keep his poise. How many times, <laughs> I, and I love this little technique that the uh, Chiefs have, did the offensive line back off and let the Ravens in because they knew fully well that Mahomes going to cock his arm once, throw the guys off balance, and then run past the depleted secondary mm-hmm. and get big yards. You can probably pull that maybe twice or three times a game. But they Kansas City was able to do it every single time out. I'm I'm very impressed with the way they played.
1: And another thing that that Andy Reid's the master at is the screen pass because mm-hmm. you so many times you look <laughs> at that and you think oh Mahomes is gone, and thump right out to somebody you know Tyree Kill or somebody just close and there's four guys right in front of him going downhill like a stream like steamrollers and they're amazing. Andy Reid's a great great coach. And uh, I look for a big game tonight out of the Chiefs. Do you yes. think? They, do you think maybe they'll? I, I hate to say that because this is a. We had an old partner in the show that always talked about trap games. Do you think that this is a trap no, game?
0: I do not. Uh, I not at all. I do think the one. I do think next Sunday's game with Los Angeles. Uh, I almost said really. Las Vegas. Yes. I think uh, the it, it could borderline on a trap game, mm-hmm. but next Thursday night, a week later with Buffalo, that is a trap game. Yes, it is. Because Kansas City will go in as a favorite, playing in Buffalo. The what fans will be there, and I think there probably will be some, will be rabid. This is a Buffalo team that is making a name for itself, and would really love to stick it to them. But that's that's two games down the line now. Tonight, no, not a trap game, and I think Kansas City names the score.
1: Really? What do you think the score is going to be in tonight's game?
0: I would guess in the neighborhood of 38, we'll give, we'll give New England 17 points. 38-17. Oh,
1: 17 points. That what may be th- generous. You guys were way off last week. We were.
0: I said I said 30-24. to 24. You were closer. Yeah, it was 34-20. No. You know, there's – there's, I think
1: I it, said 42 20 something well, like
0: that. But but your point earlier, though, in, in all honesty, the game was not in contest. It was all no. Kansas City.
1: John, your thoughts on tonight's game. Who's going to win? You know, looking at what you
2: were saying about Patrick Mahomes and, you know, do we feel any differently about who the best quarterback is? I do. And the thing with Mahomes, you know, watching some of the all-time greats, the Montanas, the Marinos, the Elways, the Warren Moons, those guys had off weeks, and I remember those off weeks and you thought, well, it's okay, they're going to go out and throw for 300 yards the next week and you know bounce right back. Lamar Jackson did that this week. I don't remember the last poor game I saw Patrick Mahomes have and the fact that he's put that so much in the rear view, I think the Chiefs are going to do very well this evening. I'll in fact go 42 to 17. I think it's going to be a wow. little bit of a track meet.
1: I don't. I, I think it's going to be a little lower scoring than what you think. I'm going to. I'm going to say 28-7 because I think mm-hmm. the Chiefs will go to the running game and they'll use the clock and they'll not want to get anybody injured as they move forward and they'll. T- they want to take the W, and get out of there as healthy as they possibly can. So I'm going to go a little lower scoring and going to a point that John said and we'll, Ned will have you touch on it too is. The fact that, um, you know, the first game of the season for Patrick Mahomes, I heard a lot of people complain that it was very pedestrian, but he (laughs) always seems to do what it takes to win. If that is pass for 400 yards, then he passes for 400 yards. If he needs to run for 100 yards, then he runs for 100 yards. If he needs to hand the ball to somebody and let them gain 100 yards, then that's what he does. And it's a beautiful thing. He doesn't try to make the game what it's not for what him. What was
0: the game? Was it uh, last week against the Chargers? <coughs> Excuse me. That he had the over 500 yards in total offense. Yes. Yeah. They needed it. Yep. They needed every bit of that to win in overtime. <coughs> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I, I think. And that, again, points out, Joe, what we were talking about earlier. The guy has a very high football IQ. He knows he knows how to handle circumstances. You know, he came from he came from Cliff Kingsbury's high-profile <laughs> Texas Tech team where yes. all they did was offense. They didn't play any defense <laughs> at all. Those teams, they were <laughs> awful. But the offense was great, and Mahomes was the one who made it go. And Kingsbury, who was a Texas Tech product and a top passer at Texas Tech, did a lot of good work in kind of guiding Mahomes and telling him how to react. And Patrick is no... No dumbbell. He was able to absorb all of that and knows what to do when he faces a crisis situation. We've seen it time and time again.
1: Real quick, John, what did you think of uh, Patrick Mahomes' little signs that he gave to uh, knock the Madden ratings?
2: (laughs) I think think that's part of Patrick's mindset. I think he has fun out there, and that's the amazing thing he balances. He has a lot of fun. It never comes off as cocky, but... You know, that's the what he brings, and that's what brings audiences to watch him play.
1: Ned, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it as always. Always your name, pleasure. Your name's on the show, so, <laughs> I mean, it's not much of a show without you. <laughs> John, thank you for uh, scooting out a little early to be with us. You Thanks bet. to uh, everybody else. Mike, the intern, Scott Meyer, Brian Tyndall, the whole staff that makes the show go. We really appreciate it. Get set. The pregame show's getting ready to start. It's right here on 104.7 The Cave. You're at home for the world champion Kansas City Chiefs.
0: 104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. Your home for the Kansas City Chiefs and Springfield's Pew.